Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast with the listeners in more than 100 countries. My name is Hana Lee. I am president and founder of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning global PR agency specialized in hospitality and travel. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, editor-in-chief of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning co-author of The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, and a food and beverage writer. Helping the community has always been part of our agency's mission. We understand that a lot of business owners, bartenders, chefs, sommeliers, and others might not have the resources to hire a PR agency. So we created our podcast so that our listeners can get to know leading reporters and writers and start building relationships. Each week, our media guests from around the globe share their practical advice on how hospitality and travel professionals can be spotlighted in their stories. In fact, one of our loyal listeners got featured in the New York Times after listening to our podcast and following our media guests' tips. So, you could be next. Also, please send your favorite pitching tips from the episode to hello at hanaleecommunications.com for a chance to win a copy of our agency's book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail. And now, moving on to the show. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Paul Clark, Editor-in-Chief at Imbibe Magazine. Paul is an award-winning journalist who specialized in spirits, cocktails, and the culture of drink for almost 20 years. The author of The Cocktail Chronicles, he was also a contributor to and member of the editorial board for the Oxford Companion to Spirits and Cocktails. Paul has also written for The New York Times, San Francisco Chronicle, Serious Eats, and many other publications. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. So nice to see you. Hey there. It's great to be here. So as a fellow journalist, author, and podcaster, we have a lot in common. And this is going to be a fun episode. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, Paul, let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. You've been covering cocktails actually since the early years of the cocktail renaissance. So how did you have the prescience to follow this incredible beat, which was very you know nascent at the time and not many people really saw its potential coming? Well, I, I'd really like to take credit for, for having seen this coming along, but really it's dumb luck. Uh, I was, uh, you know, early on in, in about 2003, uh, actually was when I, I first became curious about what was going on with the cocktail world, which at that time was very, very tiny. And, you know, mainly the, the things that, that struck me, you know, just kind of looking around online and came across, uh, you know, the, the old drink boy, uh, forums that, that used to exist, Robert Hess's, uh, and then E. Gullet as well had a pretty, uh, vibrant thing going on with the bartenders. You know, Audrey Saunders was on there, uh, Toby Maloney, you know, different bartenders who were kind of instrumental early on in the cocktail scene worldwide. So uh, there there was a lot of these conversations taking place online. And I thought, wow, it'd be really cool if I saw something in magazines or newspapers about cocktails that was beyond simply, you know, here's what to do for your for your summer garden party. Uh, so I started, you know, researching and, and kind of getting into the old cocktail books and the vintage cocktail uh, preparation stuff. You know, learned about Dave Wondrich early on, learned about Ted Hay, uh, Dr. Cocktail early on uh, and realized, you know, there are very few voices doing this in media at the time. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I could be one of those. That seems like a 
fun gig. It's, you know, it's, it's been 20 years ago now that I think about it. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's, and it's, you know, it's been a really kind of fun and interesting ride. So why does this beat continue to fascinate you? Well, you know, the, the thing that fascinated me early on was that, that cocktails and the world of hospitality is really it's where we do our living. Um, it's, it's where people get, get together for fun, uh, for enjoyment. You know, sometimes it's, it's in the most beautiful moments of your life. Sometimes it's in the most challenging moments of your lives. And it's, it's really a part of, of life and it really reflects what's going on in our lives and in our culture. Uh, and so seeing how that has changed and evolved over the years and the different directions, uh, the bartender has gone both creatively in terms of the cocktails they're serving, but also in terms of the spaces that they're putting together and the ways that they're hosting people and bringing people together. Uh, you know, it's fun. It's fascinating. And it's and it's a really vibrant time right now. So it's it keeps renewing itself to me. So, Paul, you hold the very impressive title of editor-in-chief of Imbibe. So what does that title mean and what do you do on a daily basis? My, my main focus is looking at the, at the physical copy of, of Imbibe magazine that you have in your hands that shows up in your mailbox every couple of months, planning out the stories that are in there, the feature articles, working with our great team of uh, contributing writers uh, all across the country and all around the world, working with our editorial team and our art director to put together that magazine on a regular basis. And then also working with our digital editor uh, and, with, and again with our editorial team at looking how do we continue to, to mirror these stories and continue these stories online. On, you know, on the website, on social media, and on our, on our Radio Imbibe podcast. Can you tell our listeners about Imbibe and what sets it apart from other beverage publications? Back, back when we first launched in 2006, there weren't really other beverage publications. You know, you had some trade publications that looked at uh, the business and the industry of the alcohol world. Uh, you had... Um, some publications that would focus like on whiskey or something like that for, for enthusiasts. But there wasn't really a drinks magazine along the lines of, you know, like Bon Appetit. You know, the, think of the food magazines that you see in the, uh, in the bookstore or on the newsstand. There weren't really drinks magazines focusing on this world and bringing it to consumers, but bringing it to the consumers in a professional kind of way and showing them the inside world of what's happening with brewers and baristas and bartenders. Uh, so we might kind of fit into that when we first launched in 2006. And that's always been the focus that we've taken is we are first and foremost, a consumer magazine. We're, we're not necessarily aimed at the trade. We always have to keep that in mind. And we have for what, 17 years now, almost 18 years, uh, bringing this drinks world into the hands of, of consumers and getting them excited and, you know, just kind of keeping this whole thing lively. So let, let, let's drill down a little bit more into the readers. How would you say they break out between the U.S.? and outside the U.S., international readers. Right, right. Well, in terms of Imbibe Magazine, the, the actual paper magazine that you hold in your hands, uh, that is almost entirely United States uh, and some Canada. Uh, we, we do have an international readership uh, for that. But, you know, obviously, when you're talking about like a physical copy and, and mailing expenses, uh, the, the, the bulk of it is focused on the United States and, and some on Canada. Uh, digitally, it's a different story. You know, digitally, uh, we have people all around the world coming to ImbibeMagazine.com, uh, people from all around the world tuning into our Radio Imbibe podcast and following us on Instagram. Instagram and social media. So it's really been kind of interesting to see, you know, when, when we're putting together an issue and we're thinking about our American audience, you know, and, and 
It's thinking all across the country, though. We try to make sure that the material we're bringing is as applicable and as engaging to somebody in Muskogee, Oklahoma, uh, as it is to somebody in Manhattan. And and so trying to also take that information internationally to, to your question, uh, making sure that, you know, the things that we're relaying are something that, that somebody in Sydney, Australia can 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 appreciate. So we're, we do think internationally in terms of our approach and we, you know, we understand that we have people around the world seeing what we're doing, uh, but the bulk of our readership of the actual magazine is in the United States and Canada. And you have a special feature every year called Imbibe 75. Can you explain exactly what that is? And why 75? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, the Imbibe 75, you know, I think it's just, uh, you know, riffing off the, the French 75 and it's, it's a convenient, you know, hey, we do cocktails. So uh, it made sense to, to grab that. Uh, but the Imbibe 75, it has kind of evolved over the years. But basically what we highlight uh, are people and places that are changing the way that we drink or influencing the way that we drink. It can be a new bar that's opening up that's going to be really cool that we think is going to, you know, have have some kind of great thing going on in their city. It can be a bartender who is new to the game, but doing something really fascinating, or it can be a bartender who's been doing the job for 30 years and is really, you know, kind of an anchor uh, when you think about it in, in their profession. Um, it's a way for us to kind of explore what's going on primarily in the United States. Again, uh, looking at, at, at new establishments and not just bars. You know, we, we do breweries, we do wineries, uh, we do, uh, wine bars, uh, coffee shops, everything across the beverage spectrum. Who are the people who are doing fascinating things and where are the places that they're doing it? And, um, you know, some of these are going to be familiar names to people in the trade, but we like bringing in people that, that you may have never heard of. Uh, you know, again, you know, going back to my earlier point, we like highlighting bartenders and places, uh, in places that, that aren't just New York City, San Francisco and LA. You know, we, we want to make sure that we're highlighting, you know, a great bartender in Arkansas, uh, or if there's a really cool, you know, coffee shop in Nevada. Uh, we, we love bringing those people's attention. And, and that's that's always been the the aim and the goal of the cocktail renaissance, where, you know, you can get a great cocktail no matter where you are in the U.S. You know, it was never meant to be strictly a coastal phenomenon. It was for the whole country and ultimately the world. And also a lot of people we know dream of being featured in that issue. So how far ahead do you start identifying candidates and what's the criteria? But also could somebody or the bar owners or barista, can they submit the nomination themselves? First off, the Imbibe 75 issue is always in our January, February issue. It's always the kickoff to, to every year. Um, we basically start planning it as soon as we wrap up the previous year's issue. So, you know, the 2022, 2023 issue is on shelves right now. We're already looking ahead to 2024. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a spreadsheet that, you know, all of our editors start just piling things into right now. And, you know, once we get later in the year, usually uh, once we get into September, October, then we start having our meetings on that and really looking closely at that and figuring out what's who are the people that, that we're going to run in this coming year's uh, issue and why. The things that we're looking for are are people who are doing basically something fascinating uh, and and influential. It needs to be something that's going to resonate um, not just in their bar, but it's going to be something that can be you know resonate on a larger level in some ways. Whether it's a bartender who's reaching a point in their career where you know this is somebody we really need to keep an eye on because you know five ten years from now you know they might be running their own bar. They they're going to be one of the big names uh, that, that we're looking at. Um, 
And and same with places, you know, places that are doing something interesting, you know, where, where it's kind of like a new direction that we're seeing or really kind of embodying the 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 perfection of what somebody's been striving towards for so long. In terms of submissions for it, you know, really what we're doing is we're looking at like the people that we that we run into over the course of the year. Because, you know, I travel a lot. We go to events like Tales of the Cocktail. Uh, I, you know, I go to events like the Kentucky Bourbon Classic. I'm looking for, you know, who are the bartenders I'm running into? Who are the distillers I'm seeing at, at American Craft Spirits Association? Uh, judging uh, that are doing something really kind of cool. Uh, who, are, who are the people we get pitched from publicists over the course of the year? But really, it's kind of you know gathering from all the different sources, looking on Instagram. Who are, who are we checking out? Um, so we kind of pile all of those names together, and then late in the year we'll we'll go through it as a team. And it's I mean it's a long meeting. It's it, it's a couple of long days that go into uh, planning out what the list is going to look like. So um, in terms of you know submissions and nominations, uh, we we don't officially put out like you know a call for submissions on that. We figure you know we're, we're going to come across you at some point. Uh, your name is out there. Your your face is out there. We are actively looking every single day at at the, you know at the people and establishments we want to cover. So you're probably going to wind up on our list at some point over the course of the year. Pitching directly for the Imbibe 75 may not be the, the best way to land it uh, because, it's I mean, it's a very narrow window to hit. You're trying to thread a very, a very small needle right there. Uh, but, but just keeping us you know, apprised of what's going on with your establishment, with, with your personnel, just keep it on our radar over the course of the year. And it's the names are going to be out there. We're, we're going to be talking about them once we come down to, to settle that list. In the meantime, can you tell us about any ongoing features in the magazine that our listeners hopefully could be part of one day? And how do you choose who gets picked for that? Uh, we cover things across a wide spectrum. So it's kind of hard you know, to, to tell you exactly what, what the pitch is. We really like people who are doing something interesting. And, and it's not always going to be the first names that come to mind. We like highlighting these smaller markets. We like hi highlighting independent uh, professionals. Uh, we, we, we like the scrappy startups, you know, the, the people who are making it happen themselves. We like to, to highlight people who are really working on things. And some of the ongoing things that we have, you know, it's, it's always helpful to look at uh, the different departments in, in Imbibe Magazine. So, for example, one of the departments we have in every single issue is called Elements. It's a two-page spread. It's a short article and three cocktail recipes, and it's always focusing on a particular flavor or ingredient. Sometimes it's a, you know, it's a particular spirit or liqueur. Sometimes it's, it'll be something like grapefruit uh, and, and a flavor of that, you know, something like that. So, if, if you're working for the grapefruit board, then I suppose that's a way to do it. But um, if you have a particular, you know, product, then really that's, that's a good spot to, to highlight a pitch. Um, um, one other thing that, that I should highlight, you know, just looking at the, the our patterns, we run a package feature every single year. And we've been doing this for I don't know how many years now, where it's usually in our March, April issue. And that's where we we will do a deep dive on some aspect of the spirits world. Uh, last year, we were focusing on the world of brandy. But pre previous to that, we'd focused on mezcal and tequila. We've done it on scotch whiskey. We've done it on rum. Uh, we've done it on American whiskey. Uh, our new one in, in our March issue is on an American rye whiskey. Uh, and it's a deep dive for us where we look at, you know, many of the different producers, many of the different bartenders who are working with it, um, laying out for our readers what's the whole kind of character behind this spirit and, and you know, what's the excitement about it. So that is a good, good route to pit. Um, you know, we do typically pick it pretty far in advance. So I already know what I'm 
going to do for 2024. I can't reveal that just yet, but, uh, but, but, but typically I, I will get in touch with you. And, and if I know somebody is in your por- portfolio, if, if somebody is in your client list that fits what we're looking for, I'll get in touch and say, okay, I, I need the information and the people on, on, you know, client X and, uh, cause we're planning this thing for next year. So it's a good thing to kind of keep in mind. And if I reach out to you, it's, it's a way for us to do a deep dive and really kind of look at all aspects of, of that client. Do you have the editorial calendar that listeners can have access to so that they understand what you are working on for the remaining year? We, we do have a media kit that we put together uh, at the end of each year for the for the following year that has a certain degree of, of editorial calendar. Uh, it'll, it'll list things like the Imbibe 75 issue or if there's a package feature, you know, we'll list what that package is going to be for that for that particular issue. Um, but in terms of the features that we put together, we plan those much closer to the actual date when we start working on them. Uh, you know, I like I I. I have no idea what we're going to be doing in our September, October issue for this year. Currently, I know the general categories I'm going to be covering, but I have, you know, I don't have anything. Well, maybe one thing, but I don't have anything assigned out or finalized on that because that gives us a little bit more flexibility to get up close. And especially when you're tracking things like trends or new things that are going on, you kind of need to be a little bit closer to it uh, in order to know what's actually happening. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of a mix. You know, we, we know that there's certain patterns that we always follow. We always have a summer drinks issue in our July August issue. We always have holiday drinks in our November December issue. Uh, but beyond that, we we figure it out as we go along. So now let's discuss Imbibe's online coverage. So is there any content that is only on the website? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's some things that are only on the website. Um, there are a couple of things we run every, uh, very, very regularly. We always do a drink of the week and that, that comes out on a Friday and we pick a product. It doesn't necessarily have to be a new product. Sometimes it's been a product that's been around for a while, but we like to highlight this individual product and, and, you know, why we think it's cool, what we like about it. We also run a recipe of the week, which is very much along the same lines. And it's exactly as the name says, it's a recipe of the week from uh, typically a restaurant or bartender somewhere around the country, a cool cocktail or, or some other kind of preparation uh, that, that they like to serve. Um, one thing that we've been doing regularly online and, and branching out on social media is running playlists from bars around the country, you know, uh, where we'll talk to a bartender, you know, what, what, what's the music that, that you're running on your, you know, on your favorite night of the week? And can you share that Spotify playlist with us? Uh, that's kind of a cool thing that we like to share as well. Well, let's circle back to Drink of the Week, which is one of our favorites. So how do you select the specific bottles that are profiled? And also, if any of the spirits brand folks want to pitch you for this section, what's the timeline looks like? We, we determine that uh, as part of our whole editorial team. And, you know, basically, you know, we, we'll just kind of like touch base uh, among ourselves. Have you received anything recently that you think would be a cool drink of the week for this week, for next week, for a month from now, whatever our schedule is looking like at that time? In terms of lead time, I mean, there are times when we'll have a really tight turnaround where like I'll receive a product on Monday and it's going to be that Friday's drink of the week. Uh, but typically, typically we do like to plan it out a little bit further in advance, you know, a month or two in advance, uh, which gives us, you know, time to, you know, kind of plan, but also not over plan, not book ourselves too far out so that we're, you know, boxing ourselves in for new things coming in. So there's not a firm answer on that, but yeah, like, you know, getting something out to us, um, making sure it's on our radar early on, um, though we do plan out, we do like to plan out at least a month or so in advance. Well, speaking of pitching, what advice would you give to our listeners for pitching you and your editorial team? Are there any specific do's and don'ts 
that uh, you would offer today. Right. Well, you know, the, the, the classic recommendation is, is know which section you're pitching. Understand the print magazine. I, I think one of the things I always run into, whether this is a publicist or, or writers pitching me, is they will go to buymagazine.com. They'll look at the content that we have there and they'll kind of assume that's it. Uh, and, and that is the only thing they'll pitch us on without looking at, at actual the print magazine and understanding there are additional sections in there that aren't online and they're missing this entire opportunity to pit, to pitch these kind of focuses. So, uh, it's going back to the just understanding what it is and what we do, that the online is only part of it, that the print is only part of it. Uh, you know, really looking at it and, and, you know, targeting your pitch to a particular section, even if it doesn't land in that section. I appreciate the effort that you put into. Uh, it, it makes me know that that you that you're paying attention to what we do, and and that you're trying to work with us. And I respect that. And and we and we try to move ahead with that. So um, that's you know understanding what we're looking for is always part of the pitch. Also, you know, understanding the kinds of things that we do. And again, you know, this is just knowing knowing the audience, uh, and you know, knowing that that there's some styles of products that are perfect for our audience, and other styles of products that just really aren't. But looking for the kinds of things that that feel imbibe uh, and, and that feel, you know, like, like they would be in, in our realm. But I know imbibe is known for such a beautiful photos for the print issue as well as the online. So how important is it for our listeners to have those assets available before pitching? It's, it, it's really important. I, I, it's, it's super important, but I don't want to say it's prohibitive if you don't, because, uh, as you know, we're a very visual publication. Uh, having, uh, very qu- high quality artwork, uh, available to us gives us a lot more opportunities. You know, it gives us something we can turn around really quickly online if we want to. Uh, it gives us something if we, if we want to drop it in to, to print, we can. Uh, but, you know, also, you know, for the print magazine, we do a lot of our own photo shoots for that as well. So for, for larger, um, you know, for kind of like, you know, the, the big feature well kind of articles, we do the, those photos ourselves. And so it's less essential to have a photo available to us. But if, if you're pitching a particular product, if you're pitching a new bar, uh, same with that, that nature, or, or you, you have a new hire at your bar that you really want to kind of highlight, you know, a new bar manager, for example. And then having photos available of those drinks and that person, uh, really that, that can be the, the game changer, uh, in terms of whether or not we can, we can, we can include it. Right. And so it's good to know that people should invest in photography because that's yeah. one of the most important way of telling stories. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and the tools are so accessible now to a lot of people. Uh, it's, you know, it's easy to get high quality photography, but to really, you know, place a priority on that when you're launching your bar, when you're, when you're, want to debut a program or debut a new product, really invest in the photography and have that available. Moving on to something very close to our hearts, Negroni Week. Can you explain what it is and the inspiration behind it? Sure. Well, you know, Negroni Week is an annual uh, event now. We're moving to our into our 11th year. And it's a charity fundraising event uh, focusing on Negronis. And it's a way for us to highlight a particular charity um, and generate money for that through bars participating in the program. It had started off, you know, early on, it was just kind of informal, fun thing. Let's get a few bars in Portland, Oregon to, you know, make Negronis for a week and, you know, throw a dollar for every Negroni toward a charity of their choice. Now it's turned into this huge global phenomenon where bars participate, you know, starting this past year, we uh, we had it where we focus on one particular charity. All of the proceeds go to that one particular charity to kind of maximize uh, the effect of, of those donations. 
And it's a way to get people all around the country and all around the world talking, first off, about Negronis, uh, but also talking about this charity and talking about, you know, working toward this kind of common uh, shared goal, which is really kind of cool. I think so. I mean, you know, you're doing good uh, while you're enjoying your favorite cocktail. We could never resist a good Negroni. Exactly. So how can more bars around the globe participate? Well, you know, it's really easy. Uh, first off, you know, we, there's a separate website, NegroniWeek.com. Uh, just by going there, you can, you know, you can get the dates for the upcoming events. You can see what the plans are and all the forms uh, are going to be there, uh, for, for each, for each year, uh, to sign up for that. So just following NegroniWeek.com and by following us on social media at Imbibe, uh, we'll always make it clear when Negroni Week is coming up and how you can play a part in it. So let's let's switch gears for a moment and uh, look at your podcast, Radio Imbibe, which you host, which, you know, we think is such a brilliant expansion of the brand. So what actually inspired you to launch it? Well, I, I, I wish I had like a happier thing to say, but it was it was it was the pandemic. Uh, you know, when, when we had the shutdown in 2020 and, you know, we were everyone was stuck at home. We're trying to figure out what do we do? How do you, you know, like everyone else, how do you keep engaged? How do you, you know, keep engaged with your audience when you can't go out there to the events that we all know and love? Uh, and the podcasting, one way to do that uh, for us to, you know, continue to present information to our readership in a, in a new and different way, but also for us to talk to you, to talk to bartenders and talk to the folks that, you know, we normally would be seeing in person and a way to kind of keep up and focusing on what they're doing. Some of those early episodes also focused on on the pandemic itself and what it meant for bars and talk to bar owners and to bartenders, uh, how they were dealing with it and trying to share some of that information with with others in the industry. To, to help everybody try and make it through. Uh, but now, you know, it's a way for us to both look at things within the magazine, you know, kind of, again, you know, doing that expansion of our, of our coverage, uh, as well as things outside the magazine, focusing on other things in the drinks world and have conversations with some of the more interesting people who are working in this industry. So it's, you know, it's been a lot of fun. We're, we've been doing it for more than two years now. Um, I think, you know, I'm kind of figuring it out. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun ride. What would you say the demographic is of your listener for Radio Imbibe? And in your in your point of view, has it created a brand new audience for Imbibe? Has it opened up new international markets? Or has it really been a way to dig deeper into your existing readership? Well, that, that's really interesting. And I, I, you know, I don't know all the answers to that, but it has been fascinating to sometimes go and look at the, at the listener demographics and see, you know, again, it's, it's largely United States, but I have a lot of people listening to me in Germany, which is kind of satisfying in some way. Uh, and, and looking at, you know, the, how there is a global reach to the podcast and people tuning in. Uh, I think in some ways, you know, I, I hear from sometimes from bartenders. Well, I'll, I'll be sitting at their bar and they'll say, by the way, I love that episode that you did with so-and-so, uh, which is really rewarding because, you know, it's, it's as you know, being a podcaster, you, you do this, you put it out there in the world and then you say, okay, is anybody listening to it? Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you don't really know. You know, you don't, you know, so having feedback from talking to somebody, that's really rewarding. So I think in some ways we're touching on the same, many of the same people. I think there's a lot of crossover with our readership. But yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes people will discuss Discover us in all kinds of different ways, whether they find us on Instagram for the first time or online while they're Googling around for a recipe, or maybe they come across the podcast. However, you come into being a part of the Imbibe magazine readership and audience and, and family, uh, you're welcome. And so it's, you know, I think it's a great way to kind of supplement what we've been doing in print and online and on social media. When you book a guest for your podcast, what kind of talent are you looking for? 
It's really across the boards. You know, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's it's stemming directly from something that we have in the magazine. Sometimes it's a way for me to, uh, if I've had to interview someone for the magazine for Imbibe 75, for example, uh, you know, Again, you know, the, the write-up might only be 100, 150 words, but this is a way for me to share a 20-minute conversation I had with that person. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm looking for, for people who would fit into the magazine, but also people who are doing something interesting in the drinks world that we might not be able to actually, like, handle in terms of a, of a of a print feature, uh, but regardless, have a fascinating story and are doing something really cool within within the industry to share. So we're looking for something that kind of feels imbibey. You know, when, when I hear somebody's story or I see something that somebody's doing, like, okay, I think that would be, that would be an interesting 20 minutes on a podcast. Sure. We call our podcast Hospitality Forward. So in your opinion, Paul, who do you think is innovating and moving our hospitality and travel industry forward? Well, there's so many people across the country and around the world who are doing fascinating things. It's kind of hard to pick out one. Uh, I, I was thinking earlier, and, you know, in our Imbibe 75 issue, one of the places that we feature uh, this this year is Butterscotch Den in Sacramento. And what Trevor Easter and his team are doing there, I think it's really cool uh, for a couple of ways. First off, you know, Trevor is one of those people we've known in the industry for years, for many years. Uh, but all, but what he's doing in Sacramento, first off, it's 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 not you're not in San Francisco. It's it's not L.A. It's it's a different market. But like bringing great quality cocktails and great quality hospitality to this kind of audience. Uh, I think it's kind of expanding what we can do with hospitality, what we can do with with the great cocktail culture, bring it to a different audience, but also make it very accessible to people. You know, thinking in terms of like price point, thinking in terms of like what are the things that people really enjoy to do when they go out. And, and we're not necessarily talking going to, you know, this, this you know, uh, phenomenal bar in New York City. What do you want to do just on your average Friday night? Uh, and, and making that possible and doing it the best possible quality and supporting your team the entire way, creating a whole kind of system within the restaurant and bar world that rewards your team, makes them feel supported, and works in a very positive way for our hospitality workers. So I think, you know, people who are doing cool stuff like that, I love seeing that kind of thing. And that's, you know, that, that motivates me every day. So, Paul, before we let you go, what's the best way for our listeners to reach you, you know, to pitch their stories? Well, you can always find me at paul at imbibemagazine.com. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, check us out online, check out our social media, you know, get to know what, who we are and what we do. And we love seeing what kinds of fascinating stories people are working on. Is, is it okay for people to uh, DM you on social or do you prefer email? You can DM me on social, but usually that's going to be the first way to, to make that uh, encounter. Uh, you know, send me a message, let me know who you are, and then we can follow up by email. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. And please give our best regards to all of your editorial team members who we are constantly in touch. Well, thanks so much for having us. Cheers. Wow, that was a spirited conversation. And now that you know what Paul is looking for, please feel free to reach out to him and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention that you heard him in our podcast. And if you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Also, for all media guests to date, you can find their information and episodes on our agency's website, www.hanaleecommunications.com. See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together. <laughs>